Hello and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I am Sarah Alipin, host of The Wedding Dish and CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. And thank you for tuning into The Wedding Dish today. I am very excited to be dishing with a brilliant human who is incredibly talented, the human behind a good day, Jordan Kendris. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah. So I have my little uh, co-host Clouseau, uh, my French bulldog bud, sitting behind me. Um, he has been notoriously loud during these recordings recently. I don't know what's going on. I think he hears my intro, and then he, he does like <laughs> he'll start drinking out of his bowl, but like banging it into something as he's drinking. <laughs> it's been so loud and lots of snoring. So there's a good chance you're going to hear him. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And I love that you told me right before we recorded that your dog does very similar things oh, and yeah. that you yeah. locked him away. Yep, they're away. They'll make a special appearance um, up a floor so when the doorbell rings, we won't get distracted by all the barks. It's tons of fun. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? I have a miniature schnauzer and a rescue from Columbia that is 50% poodle and a mix of five other breeds. Oh, interesting. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I, I love dogs so much. Oh, I know. My husband was not that we want another dog, but he was on a mailing list because when we were looking for, for Raven, our, our newer dog, uh, he was like looking at certain breeders. And so he just sent me a bunch of like uh, Bordoodles, which are Border Collie Poodle puppies. And like, <laughs> these, I was like, I need this dog. Like it was like, it was like a gray and beige spotted print with the blue eyes. And I was like, I'm done. I was like, I need whatever this dog is. <laughs> You're like, I may no longer be able to look at this because otherwise no, I we'll like, have I, dogs. Like, do, I, do I want another dog? Yes, I do, but I don't. So we didn't go forward with anything, but I was just like, smart idea, but bad. So he's like, I'm unsubscribing. I was like, good idea. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dish. So first of all, thank you for joining me on The Wedding Dish. I'm really excited to get your perspective and, and to share a lot of insight because I know you have a, a bunch of good stuff to share with us. Um, but before we dive in, um, let's talk a little bit about a good day. Why did you decide to go into wedding stationery? I, well, I mean, a lot of different things. I I work in advertising, um, so I was on the computer, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Um, and while it was, you know, I'm using air quotes here, guys, like creatively fulfilling, it wasn't, you know, physically creating. And I come from a background of like art and, and creativity and crafting. And like, I was obsessed with Lego as a kid. Like I missed working with my hands in a, in a physical sense. And I was about seven years into my advertising career and I wanted to get back into things. So I actually started a brooch company because at the time my husband was like obsessed with brooches. So I got really into Japanese papers and wood brooches and like was really cool, but you know, very limited <laughs> lifespan of the company of that niche. Uh, but my obsession with paper kind of was like, okay, I want to see where this kind of goes. And then my brother was getting married and I was like, hey, I want to make your wedding invitations. I was like, I've never done this before, but I'd like this to be my gift to you guys. And so we went like bananas. Uh, I learned to foil press, letter press, laser cut. I like, I 
printed like 15 or 1600 pieces for their wedding. Like it was an insane job. It was a four, four piece suite. It was like 350 guests at their wedding. So I did 175 invitations. It was like, I had no idea what the scope was when I started, but I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. That's in, that's insane for never having done it before. I'm like, I'm go big or go home. (laughs) Uh, but the, I mean, it was amazing. And when I when, once I did it, I was like, I need to do this again. So I spent six months developing a line of semi-custom wedding invitations because I was like, I'm not seeing a lot of the stuff that I like from a design perspective in our local market. So I wanted to do that. And then I launched at a wedding show and, you know, it's been that way ever since. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that you just like dove in head first and... Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't How know many what hours did that take? Oh, I probably worked on it for probably about a month. Oh my gosh. I just, I, the scope, when you're starting to talk about like foil pressing and all the things, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much work. I can't believe oh, it. Insane. I was learning how to get dyes made and what kind of foil works with different kinds of paper and what kind of press does work well with foil and like all the little things there. But you know, I loved it and, you know, was bitten by the wedding bug. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. Oh, my goodness. That was not what I expected at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into, we're going to talk a little bit about a modern approach to wedding stationery and invitations and, um, and a little bit, you know, about about some other juicy stuff here regarding your wedding stationery. So um, when couples first start looking at or thinking about wedding stationery, what are some of the key points that they should consider, take note of, or factor into that decision? For me, it's, it's really about personality. So a lot of designers are very good at what they do. For me, and the way that I find a lot of success with my couples is, you know, do we, you know, drive as humans? Um, I think it's really, really important. It's the same thing with working with a lot of your different wedding vendors uh, because, you know, we take a very active part (laughs) in your day. And, you know, invitations, uh, as you've probably heard many times before, you know, truly set the tone for the event. And finding someone who gets you and can understand your kind of like your quirks and your interests and what you want to translate into your event uh, is really important. And I also, I firmly believe that, you know, Finding a vendor that can, um, you know, meet or exceed your expectations uh, is kind of, uh, you know, my philosophy in that sense and what I kind of want to look for in there. So if you're looking for someone who has, you know, out-of-the-box templates that you can leverage and just customize, I wouldn't recommend you go to a custom stationer for that because you'd want to find someone with semi-custom or templates in that sense. So it's like finding the right fit in that sense, because you're not going to be investing in something that you don't necessarily need to be investing in if you're looking for something quick and out of the box and those kind of things. Or if you're looking like, I have an idea or I don't even know what I'm looking for and, you know, I've never seen it before or I've never even seen a paper this color before. I I want something with, you know, neon, but I don't know what to look for. Then I definitely go custom and find someone who, you know, can speak that language and show you what's possible. You know, that's interesting that you say that because that comes up a lot with my couples, the speaking that language, um, but it, it goes beyond just um, beyond just being able to communicate your, like what you want as the client, but also the 
the vendor being able to echo back to you what you want and help guide you. And we have a lot of jargon in the wedding industry that people don't know what it means. (laughs) I know. Horrible. I try not to use it. Like, so, but it's, it just comes out sometimes. Sometimes Um, I forget what it even is. Like, I forget that people don't know what a bustle is. (laughs) I mean, most people don't have them in their dresses anymore. Yeah. Like, how often do you, you know, like, how often would you bustle a dress unless it's your, you have a train on your wedding day? Yeah. It's just so funny. It's just funny that it like presents in so many ways, but um, I digress. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I, it's just, you know, it is something that we all get exposed to, but it, it's it's common in a lot of different industries. So there's a lot of my advertising clients, like there's just things that they assume that people know. And then they're just like, why isn't, someone clicking on something on my website. And I'm like, um, <laughs> that word doesn't mean anything to most people. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I didn't know what C-suite meant. Uh, uh, no, well, yeah, not a lot of people use it. It's like, okay, so it's just reference to, you know, a CEO, a CFO, any of those kind of things from a higher level executive, but why? <laughs> who speaks like that? <laughs> <laughs> now, every once in a while I hear it and I'm like, yeah. oh, I know what that means now. No. So funny. Um, thank you for uh, indulging me in my oh, little yeah. tangent there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about modern trends. What are you seeing in the stationary industry for weddings? There's some really cool things that I'm seeing right now. One of them is uh, die cut, so like shaped invitations. Those are really, really popular right now, um, especially like the the half arch. It's like super in this year. Um, and it's nice to see some variety. Uh, so for me, I love doing those kind of things. So it's an opportunity for us to just, you know, it, it, it's always interesting as a wedding vendor because couples are like, I've never seen this before. And we're like, I've done 20 of those. <laughs> the in the year. last four days. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always really interesting where like, for me, when I can get excited about something, it usually means I haven't done it before. I've done very little of it. And then the couples get things that they've never, ever seen before. So like the cool thing with modern trends is like when someone wants to do something different, there's a lot of flexibility now in what even materials are. Uh, there's some really cool trends around um, kind of texture in invitations. So either mixing materials, so paper isn't just paper anymore so there's like cotton-based papers there's uh i have some really gorgeous like handmade paper that's made from recycled denim so it actually has like texture in it um there's something really cool stuff that you just don't know it exists and i don't know i'm just like i'm a hoarder and my husband's like what's in this closet (laughs) i'm like papers from around the world (laughs) (laughs) but like for me there's really like the possibilities are endless. And I think the trend is, you know, now not having just a white invitation with, you know, flat press. It's about finding details that are really meaningful to the couple and incorporating those into the wedding suite. I love that. I I think that that should be what across the board, what we do as people who are, you know, getting married or in the wedding industry, like it should be about honoring that couple and and something that's meaningful to them. It shouldn't just be about the wedding machine. And I think that's really been a cool thing that's shifted. And I don't see us going back from that. 
Um, I think you're always going to have that giant closet of papers from around the world. (laughs) It's going to turn into like a whole room pretty soon. (laughs) Yeah, we're moving in about two weeks and I have a full new studio in that house that I'm very excited about. (laughs) Congratulations. That's really exciting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I love that. I, I love that. And will you do me a favor and send me a picture of the denim? Oh, yeah. um, okay, cool. Well, you have to wait a few weeks. It's packed away. But when I get it back, I'll, I'll definitely send you a shot. No worries. No worries. I understand moving is crazy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about mistakes. Um, what are some mistakes that you see when couples are selecting their wedding stationery? Uh, oftentimes they don't think about keepsakes and kind of extra buffer in, you know, return postage and any kind of B-list guests. So that's one of my biggest things is they typically don't order enough quantity. So sometimes they'll order enough for their guests, but they don't keep enough for themselves. (laughs) And then they don't have one. And then it's a real big bummer. Um, I send keepsake invitations automatically with my couples, but a lot of times they don't necessarily factor that in. Um, the other thing, especially with the way that, you know, postages these days, like USPS is a little unreliable. So, you know, lost mail, you want to make sure that you have, you know, typically, you know, an extra five or so invitations in that sense, just to kind of have uh, where your budget kind of allows in case things get returned in case you put a wrong address down, any of those kind of things. Um, one of the other mistakes is assuming that your guests have all the information. Um, So sometimes people will put very little information on an invitation because they don't want to clutter it too much, but there's no way for the guests to get all of the details. So, you know, if you are changing menus and you don't explain that on a wedding website, you either need to put it there, you need to put it on a detail card. As a stationer, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm not the wedding planner. I'm not the like coordinator of the event. Like I don't know all the things. And I don't know to ask you those things because I don't know the full scope of your event. Uh, I'm just a small part of the piece and I don't you know, necessarily see if you're changing different spaces or you're getting married outside a venue and then going inside. Like, I don't know any of those things. So you can't expect your, your vendor, your, your stationer to, to kind of get that. So thinking about all of those logistics and figuring out how you want to communicate that to your guests is really, really important. It doesn't have to be printed. It could just be on a wedding website. If you guys are doing a wedding website or in an email or any of those kind of things, it's all flexible for guests and kind of couples. Like, as much as I'm an advocate for paper, I'm like, if a website makes sense, do a website. <laughs> yeah, with the exception that there are going to be people who do not use the internet well. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like if you have grandparents that are not good, they have flip phones and they do not have a laptop or a computer or it still is connected to the wall um, yeah. <laughs> for the internet, then those people – probably do need something printed because otherwise, you know, they're going to have confusion. The worst is when you have confusion. And um, actually, I have a great story of this. Um, One of my best friends from college, um, she invited us to her wedding. And so we went um, not not having all the information. And maybe it was on the website, but I didn't see it on there. So um, it was instead of having a sit down dinner, we just had heavy apps. But I didn't know that. So I did not eat enough apps because I was budgeting for dinner in my amount of food I was eating. And then they cleared them 
and there wasn't any seating. There were like four tables. So then we went into the reception space and I was like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so then we ended up like having to get pizza afterward and it was just – and I was like starving and um, – That's the worst because if you're starving, you're just going to be like, give me all the pizza. Yes, exactly. And it's like 1230. And yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it's important to communicate those things to people. um, And whether or not you have transportation between if you're changing venues, that kind of stuff. Um, So yes, like, it's great to have it on the website. But it, it actually, I find it's handy to have it in the invitation. Like if you can budget into that, I would recommend it personally. I'm sure you would too. Magic of a detail card, or even like, for the case of your dinner thing, you would have, I would have potentially had a program at the beginning of the ceremony to be like, this is how the evening is kind of working. And you would just see apps, no dinner. And you would have been like, oh, that's the only food. I don't see food anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you know, you know, like you go in with that awareness that you 100%. are not going to have a sit down dinner. Um, yeah, that, that's a great point too. The other thing is parking. Yes. Um, we had a we were at a baby shower and it was paid parking near the venue, but we didn't really know that. I figured it out because I went the day before to go help some do some setup. So I had to like explain to people as they were getting there, even though it wasn't my event. <laughs> I was like, parking's over there, it's paid. <laughs> like, it's a, you can use your phone. And so it was like any of those things, and they didn't know. And so like it's just a little bit of the logistics of like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be, and then people get flustered, especially as they're going into an event. Because then they're like, I'm late, I'm worried, I'm going to interrupt. And like, yeah. it's not a great guest experience in that sense. So anything yeah. you can do to set that context, you know, just, yes. just do it. <laughs> it. It's so much easier if you set the like yeah. you set people up for success by giving them information. Um, you know, and sometimes that includes meals like that, you know. Yeah. Not we don't need to go down like a deep hole of this because I totally can. I've had, have been to many, many, obviously many, many weddings <laughs> yeah. as a guest and as a photographer. Um, but you know, if you don't know what you're eating in advance, sometimes that can be stressful for people that have dietary needs. Oh yes. Um, it, you know, and it's it's interesting how like now that we are aware of dietary restrictions, because I think it's not that people have more; it's that for a long time we just like accepted that we can do anything about them. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I only have one dietary restriction and it's super weird. I'm allergic to cranberries, no. which is super problematic at weddings. They're on everything at weddings. And I'm like violently allergic to cranberries. Oh, no. Um, I don't know how it happened. It's been my whole life. Um, I don't know what the cause of it and no other berries bother me. <laughs> Nothing else just oh that yeah. um and and so i always have anxiety going to weddings it's in my contract that i'm allergic to cranberries and that if a non cranberry <laughs> like that's how much it that's how bad it is oh no um but i always have and i would imagine that that you know if you know you have a dietary restriction that people feel that way so um not that you need to put like every ingredient but just um as an example it is always helpful to give people information and uh, your wedding stationery whether that be at the program or having a menu at the tables so people know what they're getting served whatever that may be is really helpful just so that everyone has a great experience yeah, on the menu day of, I typically recommend the couples put all the ingredients that are in there um, just so that people see something. So they don't have to ask the wait staff and then the waits have to go ask. And then you're like, 
oh gosh, am I going to get something I can't eat? <laughs> yeah, because the wait staff never knows. They no. always have to go ask. It's and not. Try and find a printout, and it's like, oh gosh. Yeah. And they may not know what cranberry is. Like if you're, if they speak a different language natively, they may not know what cranberry is. I know how to say it in several languages, actually. <laughs> you probably learn. <laughs> I also think that so the really interesting thing is like I have a a, a bride right now. Um, she's actually a wedding cake designer, but she's a gluten free wedding cake designer. Like her whole shop is gluten free because she's gluten free. So her her menu and everything that we're working on, she knows about all those dietary restrictions because she cares about them. And so she's gone out of her way to make sure her guests feel those things. So it's it's really interesting when you have someone who experiences those things that they then go out of their way to make sure that, you know, every guest gets what they need versus some people who are, you know, not as familiar with it. It's not something that's top of mind always. So yeah. it's really interesting to see those differences. Uh, in in even couples uh, in that sense. Yeah, that's so true. And you know what's really interesting is what keeps coming up for me is what you do is you bridge the gap between communicating with couple and guests. Yes. Yes, we're the ones who really set the stage for the like we're the we're that conduit between the couple because it's not possible. I mean, it is, but can you imagine doing a 150-person wedding and you're communicating with them all individually? Like, oh my God, no. That doesn't seem very practical. <laughs> it's hard to get my job. yeah. It's hard to get my couples to even email their VIP list to be like, "Hey, you're gonna have photos taken after the ceremony. Please don't run off to the bathroom. It'll take ten minutes as long as you're there." Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, we're here to help facilitate those things, and you know help your guests feel, you know, as welcome and as comfortable as possible. I love that. So, you know, as you're actually choosing all of these things, as you're going through and choosing your wedding stationery, whether it be your paper, the design, the way that everything is structured and, and how much information to include, how do you, um, how do you really truly reflect the couple and set the tone for the guests so that when they arrive, you know, they know what to expect um, and how exactly to stationary do these things. For me, it's really important as I'm getting to know a couple uh, to move, like I personally like to move a little bit past the wedding itself. I want to know them, what their interests are, any of those kind of things. So like some of my favorite things is we do custom monograms for some of our couples and the number of pets I've figured out how to illustrate that incorporate little elements of it where they can't be a part, you know, physically of the day. Like it's it's a logistics challenge trying to bring a pet into there. So I get it. And so sometimes I'll incorporate a, a really meaningful detail that like one of them, we did a stylized illustration of, of their cat. So it wasn't, you know, a physical representation of it, but it was just a cat that looked sort of out like their cat from an outline perspective, but it was on the wax seal. It was on the envelope. It was a little bit on the invitation on the day of stationery. It was on signage. So like for them, it was like their cat was being represented throughout the event without it being a literal like photo of their cat being like, and, and the cat's here. Like, well, <laughs> I love that. It was, uh, uh, um, to them, it was a, a nice way of nodding to it without it being, you know, a literal way. So there are really kind of interesting things. For me, I also like 
I've loved moving. So most all my consults right now are online. I like, don't really do a lot of typical in-person meetups. Uh, we do mail samples and they kind of see and feel things that way. But I love being able to see inside of my couple's houses because I'm like, oh, wow, you're like, you're really into color or you're really into this. Why are we not incorporating some of that into your wedding? Or you're like, wow, you're really minimalist. That's really cool. Like, what if we try things this way? Because the, you know, a lot of our couples are not designers. Like I don't expect them to be. So it's articulating a design vision or even how they want their event to feel is really challenging for people. And I get that. It's It's our job as designers to help pull that out of you and give you something that you didn't necessarily know was in your brain or get the exact thing out of your brain, like in ways that you didn't expect. So that to me is what, you know, the joy of some of the work that we do and getting to know our couples. So like, I love to get to know what, the, how, where do they travel? What do they like? Where do they shop? Those things are really important to me because I want to reflect you in your suite uh, to its truest sense. Uh, and then from a setting expectations for your guest perspective, if you guys are having a black or white tie event, your invitation should reflect that uh, from a quality perspective, from a style perspective, like I wouldn't recommend. So there's like a barn trend. So like I wouldn't do like a wood invitation with, you know, a little bit more like shabby chic or boho styling. If you're expecting your guests to show up in like ball gowns and black tie, that that's a confusing juxtaposition from a, you know, a, a style setup because they're going to see that invitation. That's the only thing they'll likely see before the event that really gets them to understand what it's going to look and feel like. So the more you can kind of allude to that, then the better it is for them, you know, to, to come. One of my uh, one of my couples in a couple months, we did like it's one of my favorite invitations, like super baller, like amazing. But the the, the guests, the bride texted me and she's like. Her friend was like, oh, my God, this is the nicest wedding invitation I've ever received. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a royal wedding and I want to buy a fascinator. And I was like, can she please bring a fascinator? <laughs> because for her, she like the guest was like, this looks amazing. It looks really detailed. It looks expensive. So I know that the event is going to represent that. And it will because they're spending a good amount of money creating an experience for their guests. So like when you can do that and it translates in the paper goods to me, I'm like, yeah, I did my job. But I'm like, your guests know what to expect. Like that guest is not going to show up in, you know, shorts and a t-shirt and sandals to, uh, you know, <laughs> to that event. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And some of it's kind of subconscious. Like we don't realize that we're reading those cues, but yeah, when you when you get the sense like this person invested time, energy, effort, money into this invitation, then you know that that wedding is going to reflect that. It would be a shock then if you walked in and everyone was in like, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. Right. Which I mean, again, it works, but then you can have your invite feel like a more casual experience. Yes. The other thing is you can note that on the invitation like cocktail attire, black tie, you know, formal attire, you can note those things in there. You don't have to be afraid of asking your guests to do something. Like, it is your event. You're inviting them. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's you have to just be conscious of your audience. Of Like, I've had some, some weddings where they require a dress code based on color, and that becomes a little bit more challenging. So, like, all guests wear white. And you're just like, 
does everyone own white? But I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever you need. But like, it's it's hard sometimes. So, you know, if you're going to do that, you really want to kind of set that expectation in there and make it really clear that that's what the expectation is. So again, those are things that you can consider in how you're you know, educating your guests as they're coming to the event. Yeah, I think that's really, really smart. Awesome. Um, okay, well, we are going to take a super fast break on the wedding dish, and then we will be right back with Jordan from A Good Day. And we are back on the wedding dish. I, of course, am your hostess with the mostest, Sarah Alipin with Clouseau, my French bulldog bud snoring in his podcast chair. And I am joined today by Jordan of A Good Day. Um, And we were just talking a little bit over the break that I sort of went high level on some of these questions and I didn't think to ask some basics. So we're going to jump back to basics here. So um, Jordan, first tell us how... um, how soon should you reach out to your stationer and what is the schedule for sending out save the dates and invitations, um, whether it be destination wedding where people are traveling or where everyone lives in the same lo- in the location where the wedding is being held? So there, this is where it gets really fun. Uh, it depends on in what you're trying to achieve with your event. So if you're going custom, you need more time versus semi-custom or kind of based off of a template or from a design book. There's a lot more flexibility in there. Um, so that's the kind of dictating around the time. From a save the date perspective, I typically recommend people mail those out nine months to a year in advance, especially if you're doing something that's more destination based. Um, you can go as close to six months, but your invitations are going to go out shortly after. So it's a little too short in that sense, but some people do it then. Um, Production time varies completely, uh, again, based on on needs. But typically, it's, you know, two to six weeks for a production, depending on print method. So there's flat print, which is kind of like it's printed on paper like a printer is. Um, but then there's, you know, letterpress and foil and thermography and, you know, Bob's your uncle. We can figure it out and we do it. <laughs> Um, or then we do like some really cool 3D stuff, which takes a lot longer. Like some of my invitations take three to four months to produce. Um, so, but that all comes through in our conversation. So for me, it's about communicating what the expectation is. I love it when my couples come to me as soon as they're booking some of the other vendors, even if they don't know what the overall design vision is going to be, because we can have the conversations around budget. Uh, we can have the conversations around, you know, you know, expectations and timing, and we have runway within there. Because as you get closer to the event, uh, then we start looking into rush fees, or we have to, you know, rush materials to hit things. And so additional costs kind of get get introduced there. Uh, Invitations themselves um, typically go out two to three months before the event. If it's destination, I usually recommend three to four Again, it depends on how far people are traveling. If it's destination in the sense of like two to three hours, that is technically destination because if someone has to book a hotel, those kind of things, those are things you have to consider. There's like local destination, you know, state, provincial-wide destination, national, and then there's like international. So it all depends on that kind of scale. But as a good host, it's always good to try and give your guests as much, you know, leeway and flexibility and you know foresight to be able to plan around the event especially if you are you know planning something further away and they have to get vaccines or travel or or passwords renewed yeah that's what i was just gonna say 
That's yeah. the worst, especially after the pandemic. Number of people who are just like, my passport expired or it's expiring and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, actually, my uh, my husband just asked me, like, have you looked at your passport in the last two and a half years? And I was like, no. And we are coming up on our 10-year wedding anniversary. So that means I probably am going to need to renew it. So it doesn't expire until like July 2023 or something. But okay. so I have some time, but we are traveling internationally in November. So I was like, mm, probably need to get that, you know, buttoned up. Yeah. Let's get it on the radar. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I appreciate that um, because that's so helpful. Like we don't know, we just don't always know. It's one of those things you don't know until you've done it. And this is typically the first time any of our clients are doing these things. So mm-hmm. um, that's really helpful information. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes for any of you who um, listened to this and you were like, so many numbers. And oh, sorry. <laughs> that's cool. I will put it in the show notes. And I wrote it down myself in case I forgot to um, focus on that part of the podcast when I listen to it later. Um, so let's dive into like some other high level fun stuff too. Um, I've been in the wedding industry for a while and there are a lot of customs that um, I'm not always sure are applicable in modern times, but it's a lot of stuff that I hear people's parents or grandparents telling the couple that they should be doing or need to be doing X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't always have all those answers and that's one of the reasons I'm about to ask you. Um, So one of the things that I always think is very interesting because for me, I'm a person who is um, like, I have an artistic eye. So it matters to me more how it looks than what the tradition should be. (laughs) Um, You know where I'm going with this. So when you're looking at something like names on the wedding invitation or any of the wedding materials, monograms, um, anything like that, have you seen shifts um, from the traditional what the what the old school way is is female's name then male's name listed on the wedding in a, uh, stationery for hetero couples, um, obviously. <laughs> then have you seen any like shifts in in that kind of thing where people are now comfortable? Um, I just showed you before we got on here that I have an invitation that was addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Sarah Alipin um, instead of my husband's name. And it feels like such a victory to me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> one who is coming first here. Um, (laughs) And obviously it's flipped from the guest perspective. So anyway, I'm going to let you take over here and, um, and let, and, and tell us a little bit about how you've seen, you know, either those traditions holding up or shifting and changing as we've grown as a culture. The the traditions haven't held up. I know. I mean, it depends on the audience. So like my more uh, like Southern U S couples are typically a lot more traditional. Uh, they like to follow etiquette, but the majority of my couples kind of throw etiquette out the window in the sense of it being proper. Like for me, the um, the amazing thing is this is your wedding. <laughs> you can address yourself in the way that you want to be addressed and present yourselves in the way. So if, you know, you want them the male name first and then the female name or, you know, however you want to address it, you can do nicknames, you can do whatever you really want. Like, that's the really cool thing with with it is there is that flexibility. Um, you know, it also might be, as you said, like, what is aesthetically pleasing? Like, a monogram sometimes is really challenging when the letters don't go, but it might work better if it's flipped. So how do you match those two things? 
it all comes down to how how it needs to be presented. But um, even when couples try and follow a bit of etiquette, there is still flexibility within there. Uh, I have couples who, uh, when you're guest addressing, typically it used to be the, the male first because he's the head of household, um, even if the relationship was with the female. Um, so it's always kind of been the male and then the female and then the kids sometimes on the outside or addressed inside. Like there's some really confusing convoluted things that don't make sense to our society now because we don't talk, like we don't address people that way in that sense of formality. So, you know, it again depends on the nature of the event. Like if you were having a black tie event, you know, you may want to have a more formal style invitation the other thing with the names and the invitation is, and I haven't seen it as much anymore, but, you know, typically parents were paying for the wedding. So either the bride's family was actually ahead of the guest name. So, you know, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so proudly present their daughter, blah, 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 being married to dude's name, like, <laughs> son of whomever. So, like, that's not, I, I probably in the past five years done like three or four of those styles of invitation most of it is you know sarah and john are getting married and they're super excited to have you there and we're getting married on the beach and it's going to be awesome and like you know <laughs> yeah locally, but like you know it, it it is more about the conversation in the in the paper goods now and you know again following the tone of the event you can have a lot more creativity with how the wording is even presented so, like, we have some couples who are on their third reschedule. Oh, <laughs> my God, yes. 2020, I have, like, two 2020 reschedules left. And one of them, the invitation is, like, it's finally happening. Like, that's the invitation. And they're, like, <laughs> we're having our reception on this date. <laughs> like, that's the invitation. <laughs> I meant the same thing. <laughs> so, the, it's, like, for them, it is, like, we're just, we're doing it. Like, we're there. But, you know, in a traditional sense, that would be so far, you know, passe and out of the window, but there's that flexibility in there. And to them, it's what it, what it means. So that's the fun part about being able to kind of adjust that. I love that. I, you know, and I think it should match the way that um, I'm going to have to pick up Cluzo because he's now um, coming over here, staring at me and, and crying. I don't know if you can hear oh, no, him. No. Um, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> And he's making my heart sad if I don't pick him up. But um, so um, I I think the wording should always represent, you know, who you are. And it is funny like to think back to the time when it used to say, I haven't seen one of those invitations in so long, where it's like the parents present the daughter getting married to the dude. It that's it's very old school. And I I temporarily it fell out of my brain. I mean, a lot of our couples are paying for their own wedding these days, or they have money from parents, but the parents don't necessarily need to be included. Um, we did have a couple three years, two years ago, um, whose both mothers had passed away. So we wanted to make sure that the families were included in there to to have the mothers as part of the ceremony and, and all those things. It was really beautiful, but that was probably one of the instances where we did include that because it was really meaningful for them to have a reference of them and being having them included, even though they couldn't yeah. be there. So there are ways of incorporating those things uh, that you might not even realize. So again, that's why you hire a good stationer. Yeah. yeah, that's why you hire a good stationer. 
Um, I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the guest experience. You know, when you're doing your RSVP cards um, or addressing your envelopes, um, when you build out your invitation suite, like what, what, how does that look in modern time? What are some best practices? Um, because, you know, we want, we want our guests to be set up to be comfortable, happy, and excited to celebrate with us. It's, uh, it's really refreshing uh, for me to be seeing couples kind of championing their guests, championing their guests. Um, so one of the things is an honorific. So you'll see this on the outside of an envelope when you're being really traditional. So like the Mr. and Mrs. Uh, and you'll also see it on kind of escort cards. So when you're going into an event, uh, you know, where it says like so-and-so sitting at table, whatever. Uh, when those are addressed, those are typically, you know, Mr. Jordan Kentris kind of addressed that way. So understanding someone's honorific is really, really, really important. Um, and when you're doing that for your guests, when you kind of address them in the way that they present themselves in the world, it, you know, moves mountains. Uh, you know, they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel comfortable. Um, it's like trying to make sure you have a gender neutral washroom at an event so that someone isn't you know, gender fluid or, you know, along that kind of spectrum and doesn't know where they naturally feel comfortable. Um, it's really awkward, you know, if they're, you know, gender non-conforming and they're being forced to use a male washroom or a female washroom and they don't feel comfortable in either. Like it's just, it's all those kind of things of thinking through that experience for your guests. So it's really important. I, I advocate for my couples to find that out from the guests beforehand, especially when you have those kind of closer relationships and how they want to be addressed. Um, because like my husband, for example, is gender fluid. He goes by the honorific MX, so mix. Um, so if on an invitation he saw Mr. So-and-so, he'd be a little bit like, they don't know me. Like why I don't feel like I'm being seen or heard in this event. Uh, and I don't know what to expect when I get there because they haven't taken the time to consider me in the, the very beginning, yeah. to let alone what it's going to be there. So it's the same thing with the dietary thing. It's about meeting your guests where they're at and making sure that they feel comfortable and know that the expectation is they're going to feel comfortable. And we are going to do things to, you know, make sure that you have the best experience because while it is your event, the guests are coming to celebrate with you and it is, they're coming to be part of something. And when yeah. I, for me, when they feel excluded, it doesn't give them the best experience. You might have the time of your life, but they're going to remember that too. Like that's the thing is you have to think of it from both sides um, and just finding the right balance of, you know, giving them, everything that makes them feel comfortable, but also, you know, keeping it in the tone of your event and, you know, obviously making sure that you're not, you know, going out of your way to accommodate certain things that, you know, may not be as challenging, uh, you know. So there's just things you have to c consider, but it, it goes a, a long, long, long way. And if you don't know, just remove it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if you're like super formal, like if you don't know, just refer them by name. That'll just solve a million problems. <laughs> well, and I I totally agree with you. I, I feel like the reason you're inviting people to your wedding is because you know them and you care about them and showing that. Um, and, and it's funny when you just said, use their name. Um, when Philippe and I go to weddings, we we always have a bet on whose name will be spelled correctly and whose will be incorrectly because never once have we been to a wedding where first 
and last name have been spelled correctly for both of us. Oh, no. Um, his, I mean, I understand. I have no H on my name. And Philippe is um, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-P-E. Oh, there's a lot of extra letters in that one. <laughs> yes. So he um, he is Canadian. Uh, so Quebec. it is the Quebecois way of spelling yeah. it, yeah. even though they, they don't speak Quebecois. Um, they just speak Parisian French, but um, not that that makes a big difference, but it is surprising when his name is spelled that way and he doesn't have the same dialect and accent um, when speaking the language. It's just kind of funny. It's a little like humor for me, but um, spelling guest names correctly is really important. Um, that is, I mean, for me, that's like the first, the first thing I'll see. And if I spell someone's name wrong, like I will immediately, I mean, that's one of the reasons I checked with you before we started, like, tell me how to say your last name. I do not want to make a mistake because, um, I get a lot of people who say Sarah Alpine and just move the E to the end. And I get it. Like, I totally get it, but it is actually really important for your guests to feel like you want them there and not spelling my name correctly um, does kind of make me feel like you didn't really like care that I was coming. I know. (laughs) To put it not lightly. (laughs) I know. So, I mean, yes, all of these things are important. It is your wedding day, um, but you are inviting people because you want them to be there to celebrate with you. So, you know, do the best you can to honor them in in the way that makes the most sense for them and for you, I think is probably the best takeaway there. And and if you're going to use their names, spell correctly. Oh, 100%. And don't be afraid to ask them. I know it feels yeah. weird. But just be like, just want to confirm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it, I actually ask in my questionnaire that you didn't complete um, to spell your name <laughs> phonetically <laughs> because I'm, I'm so worried that I will make a mistake yes. on air and we record live to tape. So if I make a mistake, you know, I can fix it, but I choose to try not to. Um, okay. So... Let's go into some more specifics about your work. Um, so you, your stationery truly is a work of art. You know, people are coming to you because they really value your artistic eye, your design, your um, understanding of who they are as a couple. Um, so once they've, you know, sent their invitations out to people, their whole wedding suite, their, you know, they've done menus, escort cards, all the things. Um, what are some of the cool ways you've seen couples save and present their stationery after their wedding day? Because I would be shocked if they don't save it and do something cool with it. I've had that couple. So the my favorite story is actually my brother's wedding invitations. Uh, my sister-in-law's maid of honor uh, gifted them their invitations in a shadow box. And so every time I go to their house, they're on the wall, which is like the coolest thing to see because it's really beautiful. It's sentimental to them. And so the, the fact that it's like framed <laughs> on the wall is like the coolest thing. But, you know, that is something because it, it doesn't get dusty in any of those kind of things. I've also seen some of my couples uh, incorporated at the beginning of their wedding album. So they might mount it to the inside of the cover uh, there. And so they have that as a kind of a keepsake. So as they're going through all the photos, they have the additional elements in there. Um, you know, elements in scrapbooking, any of those kind of things. So those are some of the things that I have have seen. Um, you can also just pop the invitation in a wedding frame, like in a frame, especially for, for families. Um, 
some grandparents will have them that way where they just have it and they have that sentimental piece. Um, so it's always really nice to see and hear when couples have, have done that. I love that. And I'm glad your couples tell you. I mean, obviously you go to your brother's house, but other people, it's good. I, I'm glad that they tell you. That's one of the things that I love when couples stay in touch and then they reach out and they say, I used your photo for this. I'm like, that I makes know. my heart so happy. I know. It's it's so sweet. Like I've, I talked to a couple of my brides still. Uh, we're Instagram friends. It's been years, but I just love seeing them, you know, some of them are starting their family. It's like they're traveling, they're doing all those things. And we still have that kind of like relationship that you build. Like the really, that's one of the things that I love about, about events is, you know, we build a really intimate relationship really quickly with our couples because we're such an integral part of their event. Um, all of us kind of pros collaboratively. Uh, and so it's really kind of amazing. And it's really hard sometimes where some of my favorite couples were just like, bye, I'm going to miss you. I know. And you're like, but we could get coffee or drinks. We do sometimes. It's just, it's obviously hard to keep in touch with everyone and things change, but it's always lovely, lovely, lovely hearing from my couples from the past. Yeah. And it's nice to be connected on social media with former couples. It's fun to watch them move through their various stages of life and see, you know, how couples I photographed 10, 15 years ago are still like happy and, and doing like cool things together. I'm sure you feel exactly the same way. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'd love to have you share a little bit of some advice that you have um, for couples planning their weddings. But I thought of something that I want to add in before I have you share it because I don't want to like add my little piece at the end. So um, I should have said this when you were talking about budgeting for additional wedding invitations and things and, and um, stationary in general. Um, so you want that photographed. Um, you definitely want that photographed. Now, one of the mistakes that I've seen or one of the things that I've seen happen is sometimes couples forget them or they didn't get enough. So then they don't have one for me to photograph, um, which is a huge bummer because if something were to happen to your wedding invitations, you still want to have them. So at least you have the picture. You know, I n- understand the texture isn't there, but like at least like at least it's something, right? Um, so make sure you have that clean copy. Don't just send it to your photographer. Bring it on the day of um, and make sure it's given to that person. But don't have that be your only copy that's left because so many times after I photographed it, I'll put it to the side and then I'll see like somebody spill on it or um, you know, I take it outside to do something and then it ends up in my bag and then I'm delivering it back to the couple like weeks or months later because, you know, it needed to be done in like a certain spot for it to look really cool and whatever. And just anything that adds complication (laughs) into your life should be avoided on your wedding day. Um, So that's my little piece of advice. But um, what advice do you have that you can offer couples? I'll just piggyback that for one second. So my keepsake one is a photographer copy and a couple's copy. I actually don't fold the liner in those so that you don't have the weird flap. in, in those so instances. smart. So like there's little things that we can do for styling that make it easier for you as a photographer um, to, to get the best shots possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I also, if it's a really complicated suite, I usually send a mock-up of a flat lay potentially. Like obviously I let the photographer or the stylist to kind of do what they need to do. But if I'm like, maybe just consider this or there's this really interesting detail 
sometimes I'll communicate that with the photographer. So always good to put your vendors in touch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or I will mail the invitation directly to the photographer in a hard envelope. <laughs> and yeah. then they don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, because I've had them arrive and then there's like marking on the envelope and I no, can't so photograph <laughs> that. And then I have to open the envelope that has like some sort of seal on it. And then that's wrecked. And yeah. I'm like, ah, I just wish I could have this at the wedding. Anyway, I appreciate all of those things. Um, for me with couples, it's about having fun. Like that's one of my biggest thing is, you know, weddings and events are very stressful. We all know this. <laughs> they can be expensive. They, there's just a lot of cooks in a kitchen, especially once family gets involved. Um, and so for me with my couples, I want to make sure that they're having fun during the design process. I want them to feel inspired. I want them to be able to take this and have conversations with their other vendors or vice versa, being like, we're talking about this with the florist. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful floral. Why don't we include that detail in the invitation when they might not even realize that? So it's about, you know, bridging those conversations and encouraging people to, you know, to get with it and it be the fun thing that it needs to be. <laughs> I love that. I Because wedding planning should be fun. You're doing something really amazing and wonderful. And, um, and yes, I think Perfect way to close out this episode of The Wedding Dish today. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me on The Wedding Dish today um, and sharing your expertise, your vast expertise here with our listeners. Where can where can people find you online? So you can find us on our website, uh, agooddayinc.com. Uh, and then Instagram is kind of our main social platform. So uh, at agooddayinc as well. Awesome. I love it. And of course, we will tag you in our show notes and everything, um, which you can find over at theweddingdishpodcast.com. Um, you can apply to be a guest speaker there as well or a guest on the show. Um, and don't forget to tune in next week. I will be hanging out with another amazing human. I don't want to give any spoilers this week. Um, but it will be a very, very different type of show. Um, and please follow, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app. And Jordan, again, thank you so much for being here. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. <laughs> Until we meet again. Cheers.